Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of our Spotlight Series. We are rounding the last corner in November, and so we are finishing up with a couple of, um, not even like movies that we've seen. Uh, we actually caught a new one that I've been wanting to watch for a long time, and then this year, COVID just kind of slowed everything down, but I'm glad that it popped up in our memories and we checked it out. So we watched 1917. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, had a really cool visual aesthetic to it. It, it. They made it to seem like it was one long take and they were constantly moving for usually with movies, there's, you know, jump cuts and different things like that. But this movie felt, it felt real because it was like, there was no stopping to it. You know? It was actually kind of hard to watch. It took a minute to get used to it. When you start watching the movie, you're like, oh, this is weird. This camera thing is weird and they're not stopping at all. It's just like one track following these two characters. And it took me like 15 minutes to be like, okay, now I don't even notice it anymore. But for the first 15 yeah. minutes of the film, when they were walking in the British trenches, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of movies that I've seen that did this. I know Birdman is one that does it for a big chunk of the movie. Uh, the Protector, one of my favorite martial arts movies, that scene where he's going up the stairs. Uh, it was one long take, and he actually they did it three times because one thing would mess up, and he's like, nope, start it over. And it took a whole day to set it all up. And so I remember <laughs> that. There's a couple of people Quentin Tarantino likes doing that, having really long takes. Yeah. But uh, was it Sean Mendez, the director? Yes, Sam Mendez. Sean Mendez is a singer. Sean Mendez is a singer. But Sam Mendez, uh, this was a really cool look. So I, I enjoyed this a lot. So uh, I, I do like that they did the one take kind of continuous, really makes you feel their journey type situation. But I like that they at least switched the viewpoints. Like the POV on all of this was incredible. Yeah. Because you're either following right behind them, you're watching them, or you're to the side of them. And it yeah. was terrifying because you're like, oh shit, what's, what's, no, watch over there. Don't watch them, watch over there. Don't watch them, watch over there. They're watching in this direction because of something. What's happening? <laughs> Yeah. Kind of like in horror movies. Oh, so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this movie, uh, I won't go over all of the awards it won, but uh, got 10 nominations at the 92nd Academy Awards. Uh, Best Picture, Best Director, and three wins. It won cinematography, obviously. Visual effects, obviously. And sound mixing. Uh, usually with war movies like this. They win a lot. War yeah. movies tend so, to win a lot. It's like easier for them to win because it's like, real stuff they're doing so you have to make it sound genuine you know overall this movie got 170 nominations spread wide on every award that was there yeah and they won 114 of them jesus yeah no this this movie's yeah. great if 20... you haven't checked it out seriously yeah. i would give it a shot it's good even if you're not big on war movies it's just a really cool idea. So here's Katie, and she's going to get into the story a little bit. Okay. Um, this plot, the beginning of the story is a little complicated. So rather than try to fill it in from my memory, 
from watching it, I'm just going to read what's on Wikipedia because it's the best, most concise way to describe this movie. <laughs> on April 6th, 1917, aerial reconnaissance has observed that the German army, which has pulled back from a sector of the Western Front in Northern France, is not in retreat, but has made a strategic withdrawal to the new Hindenburg line where they are waiting to overwhelm the British artillery. In the British trenches with field telephone lines cut, two young British Lance Corporals, William Schofield and veteran of the Somme and, or a veteran of the Somme and Tom Blake are ordered by General Aaron Moore to carry a message to Colonel McKenzie of the second battalion of the Devonshire Regiment calling off a scheduled attack the next morning that would jeopardize the lives of 1,600 men, including Blake's brother, Lieutenant Joseph. So that was a mouthful and a lot. But basically, the Germans go hiding, basically. They retreat from the front line, and they back up, and the British think that they're retreating, that they've got them on the run, they're going to win, they're going to do this insane attack it's already it's planned out they're going to attack and overwhelm the germans and using their airplanes and stuff they figure out the british figure out that that's not what's happened at all they just moved back a little bit to make you think that they were retreating so that you go attack them so that they can kill everybody and there's no way for the people on the front line to know that because all the lines are cut. There's no way to communicate with them. So they send these two boys. I call them boys because they were like 19, maybe. <laughs> they send these two boys to run, basically get there as fast as they can to where the front line is to tell this other battalion of British soldiers not to go into battle because 1,600 people will die. The rest of the movie, that hap that all happens in like the first 10 minutes. You find all this stuff out in the first 10 minutes. The rest of the movie follows the two boys as they make their way across France from the line that they were at to the line where the Devonshire Regiment is. And it explores all of these different things. They have to cross no man's land. They have to do, they have to do, they have to go through all these busted up cities. They meet many, many Germans um, while they're running through and they have to fight them off. They have to do all these different things. And it's basically just the two of them trying to make it. Hopefully they make it. And you got to watch this movie and find out if they did or not. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's wonderful how well they represented the runners of World War One, though, because... German sniper fire was so likely in most situations, whether it was across no man's land or, you know, as <clears throat> it is anywhere in any film, take Saving Private Ryan, for instance, sniper fire all the time. You move, you're going to get shot. You stick your head but, up, you're dead. Pretty much. And they always put them in pairs of two because they chose the youngest healthiest to be the runners because yeah. they were quick and uh they had the least experience more or less so um 
Yeah, there was, that was very well addressed in this movie, how they had to choose two. In the first 30 minutes, I don't think I've ever held my breath more. Oh, when they're crossing the Western Front? Or No Man's Land, I mean? Yeah, and then when they hit the bunker, (coughs) um, the time that this movie is based on, uh, they, when the Germans pulled back, they, they booby trapped everything. They did, in fact, booby trap everything as often as possible. Yeah. They would either leave wounded soldiers there with nothing to defend themselves, and then you move them and things blow up. Or, or in the case that's whatever. shown in the German trench, it was a buried hand grenades are connected wire. by a telephone wire and explode when the wire is touched. Yep. Yeah. And frankly, those boys were actually kind of lucky that all they got was a little bit of concussion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's mostly because they were not at ground zero. Unlike yeah. that poor rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> after, as we go through this movie, um, you just witness the horror, a bit of the horrors of war. You see the devastation that uh, the German military put on the entire countryside they knew that the british were going to follow them and because of that they murdered all the livestock all the like as they went along so that you know the military couldn't they couldn't cut it up and eat it it was just destroyed already um they burned down all the houses they destroyed towns they got rid of everything they burnt they blew up bridges so it was harder for them to be followed basically anything that the germans could do to impede the british military from following them they did so that the german military would have longer to set up and prepare for their whole thing there is a point in this film where they come across some other soldiers and get help from other British soldiers who are on their way also to like to some other part of the war because World War One, just like World War Two and every other war that's ever been fought, is being fought on multiple fronts all over the well, all over the world in the world wars, I guess, all over Europe. So they get help a little bit, but only a tiny bit. <laughs> I I would say that those are actually more Commonwealth troops, given that we had, we saw troops from India, Australia, and other colonies that, that England had across the world. Yeah. All right, Emma, you got any more fun facts about this film? The movie is based on Sam Mendez's grandpa's recounts of World War I. So his grandfather was a runner in World War I. And he told stories and wrote down stories of everything that he experienced, everything he had to go through, what he had to see, how they had to work in order to get their message where it needed to be. And the movie takes place April 6th, 1917, which is the day that we formally, as a country, joined World War I. It was the day for anyone who doesn't know that we're in the United States. There you go. Um, April 6, 1917 was the day that the U.S. declared war formally on Germany, which warped us into World War I. And this specific instance that this movie is based on actually took place over roughly six weeks 
between the end of February and April 5th of 1917. So this is all based on strategically the Germans had planned to build up the British's idea of the fact that they thought they had them on the run because they're pulling back. They're going closer to home. They're going closer to where more reinforcements, quote unquote, would be for them. So they think they have them on the run. And if they can hit them sooner than later, then they'll be done with the Germans. And kind of foolish thinking, if you ask me, given how long they've been playing that game. The way that they rigged and set up everything and destroyed their own guns, destroyed everything, kind of making it look like the British had this big advantage and this, this big situation. It's all accurate. That was very well portrayed. I do like that they had the representation in this movie of you need to make sure that someone is there when you're telling this colonel that something needs to change because some people just like to fight. And that is something that's been around for a long time. People and everything that I've read about you World need War witnesses. I, it's it's been a thing since man began to fight with Men. whoever. <laughs> yeah. Um some people just get pissed off for the sake of getting pissed off and need a reason to fight. And they did illustrate that well in here. Um there was a lot of why are we here? Why are we fighting this? But also we're here to defend everything. And that was really well represented. But um, I found it interesting that they did take those six weeks and morph it down into an under 24 hour situation. Yeah. And they did it really well. Insane. Um, it, It was filmed as one continuous sequence. They, took i forgot how many days they took to film but the only thing that held them back is when it was sunny because it was supposed to be an under 24 hour thing you had to make sure that the weather was consistent and everything was consistent so the only thing that slowed them down is when the clouds left they did use very little cgi and i loved that the only thing they used cgi for was when he went over the waterfall (laughs) and even that they chose a river starts with a T. It's not the Thames. It's not, I forget what it is. It's not the Tigris. No, no, it's, that's it. That's, that's in Egypt, yeah. uh, lower, not Egypt. Just, um, just give me a second. I'll look it up. But they, yeah, thank you. But they, it wasn't the Tigris, but it had enough rapids that when they had the stunt guy go through it, it was a small enough waterfall that they could initiate him going over, but then CGI the extension of the waterfall. And that was yeah. really good. Yeah, it was incredibly amazing. It the way could have easily they, been the song. I think it might have been. But yeah, I have a uh, thing here that said, the film is not technically about actual events, but based on actual events as dictated by Lance Corporal Alfred H. Mendez, who was a short five foot four, 19 year old runner for the British, which was Sam's grandfather. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought it was clever the way that they ran that through. Okay. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, go see this movie. Um, Right now, I'm going to spoil what happens because 
That's how we do things around here. So if you are not interested in finding out the ending, please go watch this movie and then pause us, go watch the movie and then come back. Um, it's a really good movie. You should check it out. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait here, that's fine. All right, approximately two and a half hours after we just paused and you're unpausing us now. Um, we're leaving the British camp, the trenches, and we are starting our journey. The boys run across no man's land, which if you have ever read or learned anything about World War I, you know that this is probably one of the most terrifying moments to watch anything about or to learn about in history. This was basically think to the Revolutionary War, how the British would stand in a line and the Americans would stand in a line and they would just shoot guns at each other and you fell, you died where you fell, basically. Yep. In World War One, we kind of kept that idea but moved it to trench warfare. So the Germans were in a trench and the British slash Americans slash everybody else <laughs> were in a trench across this big gaping area and they would peek their little heads out and shoot at each other across this giant field called no man's land. Um, if you were to stand up and try to move anywhere across no man's land or to inch farther or closer to your enemy, for an advantage you would get killed because that's what it was you're just out there in the open there's nothing around there's no one else they got rid of all the trees it's just nothing and there's nowhere to hide you're just about to get murdered it's deep dark angry bomb craters and barbed wire yeah that's it a lot of it very much looks like that even today yeah though it's a lot greener now yeah yeah, so and less bodies. <laughs> so these two boys start their journey and they run full speed as fast as they can across no man's land. Because even if the Germans have left, quote unquote, like they were told, there's always a risk that there were people still in the bunker um, waiting for them, waiting to snipe them, basically, so that, and kill them. So they ran as fast as they could. They make it to the German bunker and it is empty. There is nothing. There is no one. There's no supplies. There's no anything. And the boys are like, what the fuck is happening? I don't understand. They walk through, they walk through, they end up in an underground part of the trenches in an actual bunker. And they're picking out like food. There's like cans of food and stuff that they're putting on themselves because you need food. If they're going to keep this journey, they're going to need some type of sustenance. They're grabbing out things. And one of them steps on a trip or a rat steps on a trip wire and explodes the bunker and they have because it's a movie and it's magic they have just enough time to run as fast as they can out of the bunker that they don't know where the fuck they're going but magically through a very 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 tiny hallway yes but with that mind, they run through this hallway and end up in the sunlight with just with one thoroughly blind yeah <laughs> Who somehow managed to make it over that mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they end up at the end, uh, the end of the German bunker. 
essentially, and have and they start making their way across the countryside, working their way towards where the other British battalion is. They find all these slaughtered animals, all, there's tons of cattle and stuff, and then they come across a farm and they go into the farm, they're checking for uh, like civilians essentially, or water and anything that they can use to help them. And they don't see anything. They find one lone cow that is still alive and a, bucket of, <laughs> and a bucket of milk um, that they fill their canteen with. And um, while they're filling their one of their canteens with milk, they notice a dogfight happening in the air. Um, there is a British plane and a German plane fighting each other, and the British plane takes out the German plane, and it crashes right into the barn where they fucking were. So they make it. <laughs> they That's make it right in the nick of time. Make it out of the way, and the plane crashes. Then, because fucking why? They help this German pilot. Not they. Blake helps him. Oh, yes. Tom. Okay. Whatever. No, no, no. Both of them help them. Both of them help him out of the plane. Out of the plane. Out of the plane. Okay. (laughs) So they help this German pilot out of the plane because his plane is about to catch on fire or already is on fire. Is about to, you know, do what planes do when they hit the ground. Explode if you've ever watched a movie. Oh, yeah. So they run over, they help the pilot out, they get him out, and they move him away from the plane, and he's just down there. Blake's on fire. <laughs> or, no. Um, Schofield. Schofield is ready to shoot him. He yep. aims a gun at him, at the German soldier, and he's ready to shoot him. And Blake is like, no, don't do that. He needs, he just needs some water. Like, let's get him some water, let's help him out. So, Schofield goes to the well turns his back to walk towards the well and then he hears Blake shouting and of course because he's a German soldier and you're fighting a war against him he fucking like sat up from his unconscious state and stabs Blake in the stomach with a knife right in the fucking liver yeah like I understand training soldiers to be accurate but this next, the next 10 minutes of this movie, I literally told Patrick and Micah as soon as it was over, I was like, this is the first time in a movie that I have ever seen the accurate amount of time it would take someone to bleed out. Yeah. So Blake tries to help a German soldier and gets stabbed in the liver. And oh, of yeah. course, it's 1917, so he bleeds out because they're in the countryside, and it's just Schofield around. He's the only other guy. No car. Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, like any other war film ever, he takes Schofield takes Blake's dog tags, takes a picture of his family, and a letter that he had written because that's what you do to give to his family the whenever whenever Schofield found them, basically. Yeah, because he was supposed to be looking for his brother, so he yeah. figured he'd get his brother. So Schofield is losing his damn mind because his best friend person just died. And then other British troops arrive at the farm. 
basically. Literally they, two seconds after. Yeah, <laughs> right after and he dies. Happens to be a medic. Um, these other soldiers pop up and they talk to him and he explains what he what his job is and where he needs to go. And they're like, oh, we're kind of headed in that direction. You can go. We'll take you as far as we can. Um, mm-hmm. So he jumps on the back of their truck and they go away. They get to the point where Schofield needs to turn and the bridge is has been blown out because the Germans blew up all the bridges. And the guys, the whole train kind of stops and they tell him like, all right, bye, have fun. So he crawls across the like broken remnants of this bridge and makes it into this city that is super fucked up. Like this city is so tore up. <laughs> well, because they're they're both the whole caravan was supposed to be going through Ekust all the way through and the other direction from Schofield. So all of them yeah. were trying to go through Ekust, mm-hmm. but Schofield needed to go to uh Kwasili and they were going in the other direction but they hit the bridge and because it was out they had to go six miles in the other direction yeah so they dropped him there because it was closer to uh quasi for him to cross there and fight through the city and they thought it was abandoned because there's literally three arches and seven bricks left of this town yeah so he runs he gets across this little canal way and barely sniper oh, uh, he's crossing the bridge the, the world's shittiest snipers trying to kill him oh yeah that guy sucks and he gets he's walking so fucking slow with nothing around him on an and angle miss. descent and you fucking missed and yeah. all and no, every it was, shot it was legitimate stormtrooper status like there's a reason that the stormtroopers yeah. in Star Wars can't fight, and it's because they were based on German stormtroopers. <laughs> uh, it, it's an absolute mess, and so Schofield actually gets a hit on the sniper without a sniper rifle. That, that's the mind-blowing part of this. And then it's like, nope, I gotta get up there and make sure he's he's done. He's dead. Then. And he scoots up there, and they both hit each other at the same time. Schofield kills the sniper, and the sniper shoots him in the head. Good thing he had a helmet on. And then he goes nap, nap for a little bit. Yep. He gets concussed. And when he wakes up, it's nighttime. So he has wasted several hours being just blown out, concussed on the floor. Now, frankly, Um, I think he just got lucky that he actually more just got grazed on the side of the head. Yeah. Otherwise, a hit to the head would have been deadly. Oh, yeah. yes. Incredibly lucky that he survived, but not lucky because that took up hours of his time. Right. That where he needed, he still got miles to go. Yeah. So he wakes up and make try, starts making his way through this city. And there are still like a few German soldiers just scattered throughout the city waiting for people to try and cross through the city. So he's running away from these snipers or from these German soldiers and he makes his way into this, like a, he walks into a random doorway, like half of a house that kind of existed at one point. And he walks into this doorway and goes down these steps into this, like what would be a basement, I guess now, yeah. but I don't know that it was a basement in this movie. I think it was just the bottom of the house like the bottom floor of the house 
but because everything is all fucked up and has been destroyed by bombs it's seemingly a basement now (laughs) yep so he walks down there and he finds a woman a french woman who is freaked the fuck out because she's been hiding from soldiers this whole time and he explains as much as he can to her in the very little french that he knows that he is um on her side he's not gonna hurt her he's taking you know he he's not gonna do anything and then you find out she has a baby that she found somewhere in the bombing of the city she found this baby and took it and cared as is caring for it as much as she can um from her little underground bunker situation and she tells him you know i'm the only i can't do anything i don't have any food i don't have any whatever and he proceeds to unload all his shit on her he's like here take all these cans i took from the germans like i don't fucking need them it's fine so he gives her all this food and she's like well this is great for me but the baby can't eat that like all i need is milk and he's like what did you say milk remember when i saw that cow that bucket (laughs) remember when i saw that fucking cow earlier here's a whole canteen of milk (laughs) i had so the first time i watched this because I have watched this in the last week three times because it's that good. And it so fucking good. hit me hard as fuck every time. But the first time I watched this, I turned over to Micah and I paused the movie and I said, what did I fucking tell you? That stupid fucking random ass milk bucket. Why else would they leave a milk bucket? If they don't need anything, you leave one damn cow and a milk bucket, and then you crash the cow with a German plane. <laughs> so now there's no cow, but you're going to need that milk for something. Right. And I got, I got so fucking happy when that baby showed up and she's like, not for me. The baby needs milk. And I was like, but hey, remember that bucket? Yeah. <laughs> the most convenient like, twist. bucket of milk. Uh, okay. So he gives her the canteen of milk and leaves her there because what else can he do? She can't go anywhere with the baby. And he goes back into the city. He, he chokes out the one guy, shoots at the other soldier, and he jumps into the, the water, the waterfall. Oh, yeah, homie, yeah, yeah. Homie comes out oh, the yeah. door drunk, puking, and he goes in the other door and runs into the little kid. And the kid's like, oh. But then he takes his hand off and he's like, hey, you guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. The kid fucking yells. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He tries yeah, to help and a I German. Think he might have been again. Scofield fucks oh, yeah. up this time, tries to help a German soldier. And he's like, I won't kill you. Just don't tell, just don't say anything. And yeah. of course, the German soldier is like, okay, psych. And yells and tells his presence. Yeah. And he's like, you son of a bitch. And then <laughs> runs away. He's trying to avoid all the fire. He jumps off the side of this, like, what would have been a bridge, but wasn't a bridge anymore, and ends up in a river that is moving very fast and has all these rapids. Then he goes over a waterfall, and the man has, like, he has barely eaten in, like, a week because it's the middle of a war. He has just run across, like, miles and miles and miles and miles of countryside he is emotionally exhausted and mentally exhausted and His only such was because of a concussion <laughs> yeah, and he has a concussion so he jumps in this fucking water and then goes over a ginormous waterfall and Yo. is seemingly dead <laughs> he oh, you kind of see his body 
at the bottom of the waterfall, like the rest of the river floating and he is pale as fuck. He looks dead and he hits this big log that's kind of blocking, blocking the rest of the river. And you think that he's just going to be there because there's a bunch of other dead bodies there. So I'm like, all right, that's the end of the story. Like he just died right there. Okay. But then he, I don't know, beasts his way out and climbs on top of the bodies. Lily lily pads those fucking people. And he just like frog crawls across him. And I was like, oh, yeah. He crawls across a bunch of dead bodies and gets out of the river. Well, we do need to remember that he's probably crawled over more than his fair share of bodies throughout the war. Oh, for sure. An open one. So, oh, for sure. Um, but he crawls to the riverbank and he hears singing. And well, before that, you get your first glimpse of him as a person, like the well, second glimpse per se, him with the baby in the bunker was the first glimpse because he's just sitting there saying this poem to the baby until he hears the clock chime five o'clock and he's like, fuck, I got an hour to stop this attack. (laughs) Um, And then as soon as he crawls over what I'm assuming is the entire town of Ekust in the river, he just breaks down on the edge of that river. Yeah. Just sobs for like 45 seconds which is about all he could allow himself until he heard that guy singing for sure so then he hears this singing and he's like that's fucking weird but he walks into the forest where Mm -hmm. he hears this singing which is all happening in english and he's like okay that's got to be british soldiers I gotta go find them. So he gets up to them and he's just like wiped as fuck. And he's listening to them um, sing and talk. And he asks the guy next to him, what battalion are you? What, you know, what are you guys? And he's like, we are the Devonshire Regiment, Group D, basically. We're D Company. We're We're D Company, meaning they're the fourth wave of people. And he's like, oh shit, I need to get to the front line. Like, right now i got some important shit i gotta tell the general in charge like i gotta go so then from then on he's just running through he fucking whipped his cojones out for the last 30 minutes of this movie yes he is friend you got a concussion as fuck you've been thrown down a waterfall you are cold and sopping wet and your ass is booking it yes so he runs all out as as much as fast as he can and he's running through soldiers in a trench through the trenches of the line trying to make his way through c company through b company through a company to the guy in charge of the a company to tell him these orders like you need to call off this attack he almost makes it and then the attack starts and all of these soldiers jump, start jumping out of the trench, climbing out of the trench to go attack the Germans. And he's trying to run his way through the trench still, but there's soldiers trying to get out of the trench. So he keeps knocking them and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm jumping. He gets out of the trench and runs <laughs> as fast as he can in this second no man's land, basically. 
across in front of the trench so that he can make it down to the area where the general is to tell him, you need to call off this attack. Don't let any more soldiers go up. He makes it. They call off the attack. Only, I don't know, a couple hundred people ended up dying. Seemingly. We see a few of them die, but we don't know how many actually ended up making it out. Yeah. Uh, like out of the... About maybe about 200 were probably killed. Yeah. Understanding basic attacks during that time. Yeah. So probably about 200 people were killed and he gets to the general, tells him, they call it off and that's the end of the movie, basically. They send him back to the infirmary because he's fucked up. <laughs> and he assists as much as he can carrying wounded soldiers and stuff um but he's kind of out of it so he's wandering around and he's looking for blake lieutenant blake over and over and over i need lieutenant blake where's lieutenant blake where's lieutenant blake and finally he finds lieutenant blake who is tom blake's the kid from the beginning his brother he tells him you know, I'm from this uh, regimen, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, that's where my you must know my brother." Then my brother's in that, and he's like, "Yeah, that's why I'm that's why I found you. He was supposed to be here with me. We started on this journey together, but he didn't make it. Here are his dog tags and his pictures and a letter that he wrote, and that's the end of the movie. Then he goes nap nap, and the movie ends." <laughs> I yeah. do think that him falling asleep under the tree was a really nice touch for tying the story together. Oh yeah, it started and ended under a tree, ends under a tree. <laughs> yeah, naps under a tree. Yeah, I told Micah as soon as he found Lieutenant Blake, I was like, please don't tell me he's gonna go walk up under that tree and just fucking die, and then it's gonna be done. I, I was happy that all he did was walk up under that tree, say some shit in his mind, and then it was done. Yeah. But I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me that this guy just made it through 24 hours of Jesus knows what. And yeah. you're gonna make him lay down <laughs> under a tree and die. He, no, he just he just took a nap nap. He just he just needed a little a little siesta because the man has had a day. Yeah, he oh, kind yeah. he kind of put but the runner from the battle of marathon to shame. Yeah. <laughs> given everything he went through yeah all right um let's talk a little bit about historical accuracy i mean we talked about the story a bit but what mm -hmm. about the guns and the planes and everything uh patrick i know that's kind of your area of expertise yeah so i actually did a little research into what was actually used and i think that for the dog fight we saw i couldn't get a good look at the uh, English ones, but I believe the ones we were looking at were the Alcock A1 Scout or the Stop with Mouse. Mm -hmm. But the plane that was shot down, I did get, we were able to get a good look at it. And it, I have a strong belief that it was the Albatross J1, which was a ground attack aircraft. Yeah, common and for the- Those were not the most maneuverable aircraft, which would be why it was shot down so quickly. Yeah. Was it common and for the time? Yeah, they, those were actually one of the act, two of the active uh, aircraft at the time. Other fighters at the time were the, uh, on the German side, would have been the Albatross D3, D5, and D5A models. 
And then there were various other models throughout the war on the British side. Awesome. But I believe that those were the ones that we actually saw in that dogfight. Sweet. The guns, the guns were correct, I believe, yeah. as far as I remember. And yeah, the Mark IV tank that was oh, in yes. the trench at the very beginning was, was correct. I was very pleased to see that. If I saw a Churchill or something in there, I would have lost my shit and just said, nope, <laughs> I'm done watching. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yeah, so they did the, Sam Mendes did his research. They did um, really well with keeping everything to the time period that it's supposed to be in. Um, which is tricky with war films, especially the farther back in war films you get, because we have less and less and less materials and pictures and things to go off of. Yeah. And it's all kind of guesswork based on writings and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So they did a really good job with that. Um, does anyone have anything else? Yeah. I will also say that I also appreciated the, the the detail they did for the different trenches. Oh yeah, we were able to get a good look at both the uh, British French trenches as well as the trenches on the German side, and yeah. the fact that the British ones were designed more as temporary ones. They were not expecting to sit there for years on end. Yeah. Whereas the Germans, they were expecting to sit there for years. And so their trenches were in far better condition for living. Oh, the yeah. The German trench was like the Lotus Elise of trenches. Yeah. The, the German trench, when they got, like the actual trench park reminded me of, you know, it just looked like any other trench. But when they got to the fucking bunker part of it, that shit yeah. was like, What? How is there so much space? How did you, how? Oh yeah. And you put fuck, there's just like cots, like layers and layers of cots and oh, yeah. all like, oh my gosh, how? <laughs> yeah. I will say also, I'm kind of glad they did not show some of the other weaponry that they were using at the time, such as gas attacks. Yeah. So I think that would have, as much as that would have been interesting to put in for tension, I don't think the movie needed it. Yeah, I agree. All right. What was everyone's favorite character, starting with Otis? <laughs> so uh, I went with the obvious choice, but uh, when I was thinking about why I picked him, it's because he was the Samwise of this movie. And if you understand what that means, he's the best character of the Congratulations, movie. Congratulations, you're um, also a nerd. Uh, Samwise <laughs> in Lord of the Rings, he was just there helping. And then when he needed to step up and be the guy, he's like, I'll do this. He's like, yep. ring's not gonna bother me, man. I can take care of this. And he fights a giant spider for his little, his little <laughs> hobbit boyfriend. Yeah. And so- Samwise Gamgee is the best. Yeah, from the beginning, Schofield, and, I, and usually in war movies, there's always this one guy that's like, man, I don't want to do this. Like, my hand was in a dead body. Like, why am I here? And he's just <laughs> upset the whole time, but he's helping. And then the second that Blake goes down, he's like, damn, like, I have to save his brother. Like, yeah. I have to, because that's why he was, he was dead set on doing this. And then he just goes and he keeps doing things and he has to try harder and harder. And the further it gets, he has to start to kill 
and survive and he loses items and stuff it's just him at the end he loses all his equipment at everything the end. everything it, is gone and he's just pale and half dead just <laughs> walking in the trench it was the best part of the movie when he's walking through the trench he's like yeah i'm away yeah i'm away how far am i he's like oh it's like you know 100 yards that way is you know mckenzie and he's like yeah i'm away yeah i'm away <laughs> fuck this and just starts just slow running into a like a full speed run while people exploding and dying next to him and he gets knocked down like twice and he gets up and starts yeah. running again and I just thought it was really cool that he just was like, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. It's now on me. Like Blake put this pressure on me and I have to do it. It's it's his last wish. Like it's the last thing he wanted to do. And uh, Schofield, Schofield's amazing in this movie. It's kind of not fair because he's in a hundred percent of this movie. (laughs) He's in every scene. So you have to like him. You have to, or you're just not going to have a good time in this movie. But Schofield, hands down, one of the coolest characters in a war movie he, I've seen in a while. I'm not going to lie. The scene right before he heads over the berm at the end and just starts running like a motherfucker. When he steps up to that guy, giving his, his burger der speech, and he's like, you go and you go like men. And Schofield walks up to him and he's like, where is Colonel McKenzie? I must stop this attack. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he's like, what are you trying to disturb my morale? I yeah. finally just hyped these dudes up to get them over this shit. And you're sitting here saying, we're not supposed to do this. And he's like, get out of here. <laughs> but no, I'm uh, Patrick and I jump on the Schofield train because that dude yeah, though I will also say we can easily respect Blake at oh, the beginning of the movie. A hundred percent. He's motivation. He's the, he's the honorable mention of well, the Well, there's only like two true characters in this film that you ever see. Exactly. He is he's a little bitchy for me. Um, he has his moments when he's like, nah, man, we gotta fucking get this done. There is a lot of bitchiness, just like with Frodo. His mm-hmm. little Tom and Baratheon ass shows through in here. And I was like, why you always got to be a little bitch? Mm-hmm. Why? Yes, but, but he um, also had the level head after that grenade went off. For the, that's get, what I'm saying. Get, that was the one. Out. That was like the one instance when he was like, nah, man, push through. And that was his shining glory moment. And then everything else was like, well, but yeah. Woo. Unfortunately, he didn't, we didn't see him long enough to really understand how he would have developed. Yeah, that's exactly. the real problem. <laughs> but, yeah. What about you, Katie? Uh, well, I agree. Schofield was easily the best. Um, but my honorable mention is actually, oh, I don't remember his name in the movie. Um, the guy from Kingsman who- Yes, Colin oh, Firth. Yeah, Colin Firth. No, yeah. not Colin Firth. Captain Smith. Oh, it was no, Mark no, no, Strong. Merlin. Mark Strong. Merlin. Yes. Yes. Merlin, Merlin from, King- from Kingsman. Um, he plays a so good. I don't know. Captain. Captain. Captain Smith. Captain, yeah. Thank you. He plays a captain of the convoy, basically, that helps Schofield make it from the farm with the milk to that bridge where he almost gets sniped. I actually did and, not recognize him. Yep. And I yeah. love that he that he was so willing to help, like I mean, he didn't have to, but he was like, no, like, I don't care that m- all of these trucks are full, like jump on, we'll take you as far as we can go. What you have to do is really important. And I yeah. understand that. And he's only in the film for 
what, like five minutes. Like you see him right when that, right when he offers him um, passage on the convoy. And then when their convoy breaks down for a minute and gets stuck in the mud, you see him again. But the, it's like just a couple of minutes. And he was probably my second favorite character behind Schofield. All right. Oh, yeah. his, his one piece of knowledge where he said, when you tell Mackenzie, you make sure there are witnesses because some men only want the fight. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of the movie, that has been a thing since the dawn of asshole fighting asshole. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you on all of it. The fact that he's like, he's a British fucking soldier. Put him on the cart, make it happen. Yeah. Like his everything was phenomenal for the three to five minutes that he was in this movie. Yeah. So good. All right. Uh, least favorite character, Otis. Um, it's, it's tough. In, in a military film, you either have the people that don't want to be there, the people that are way too gung-ho and they get killed, and then you just get the assholes that are just like, this is going down. So I, I went with McKenzie yeah. at the end. Yeah. We went uh, Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumbersnatch. Yeah, Cumberbund. And it's funny. It's like he didn't believe the kid. And it's like, dude, I ran so far away to do this. And he's like, you lying. Why would you do that? Why would he say that? Like, it's a trap, man. Like, we reconnaissance. He's like, did you? I'm like, no, listen to this kid. He's like, I got a letter and stuff. Like, please listen to this. He's like. Man, I want to send these kids over. I really want to. I want to kill all these we'll dudes. win. Let me do this. Yeah. But, uh, he's like, victory is 500 yards away. And he's like, shut the fuck up and read this. Yeah. yeah but I think it, the ultimate tragedy of the movie is, regardless of if if he had made it there or not, the, the results would have been the same. They would have been, yeah, yeah, they may have succeeded. But then a few days later, they would have been pushed back out again anyway. So. Yeah, um, it's. So really, it was irrelevant. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny. Some of the coolest stories happen with just irrelevant things, sadly. <laughs> but no, Mackenzie was was poop. But it, I, I understand his side of it because it's like from his point of view, he's like, "Oh, we can win this right now. I got this." And someone runs in, it's like, "Don't do that." I'm like, "No, we're gonna keep doing it. Don't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't do that." Yeah, and, you know, some little nerdy pale kid runs in. He's like don't do it I, I please and i'm like i don't trust you little pale kid get out of here um, <laughs> yeah, you think if he, he would have noticed all the injuries he had <laughs> right get out of here little pale kid that apparently has been in, through so much but whatever uh but now mckenzie was here. <laughs> yeah mckenzie I was agree. we are on that train also um i will i, I will also so. add every german in this film <laughs> You can go straight to fucking hell. World War One, World War Two Germans, you can suck a goddamn wiener and a half. Get out. Yeah, I will say one thing for Mackenzie. He, I did like the statement he made with regards to uh, orders that he receives. Because yes, ultimately, he a few days later, he probably would have received opposite orders to go ahead and attack. But we'll never know because the movie stops before then. So, yeah. Yeah, I assume well, that they did go over at some point. Obviously, well, whatever but. his orders were, eventually, it led to victory because yeah. we beat the Germans in World War One. So, there was there was a reconfiguration of British and French mm -hmm. troops that, that 
allowed a better approach to the German line situation, but yeah. And, and I will say with regards to earlier mention of the uh, Napoleonic arrangement of troops. Yeah, we actually kept on doing that, but I actually heard a story somewhere. I don't remember where, but early on when America finally first joined the war, we actually did go in like, like in Napoleonic battles and just went in lines against the Germans. And we had, we had maybe one or two victories and then we went into trench warfare ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And it was mostly just surprise. Napoleonic <laughs> war is stupid. <laughs> well, it was good for what it, for its time because you couldn't hit anything without a thousand rifles fire or without a thousand muskets firing. I mean, I guess, but also there's like, there's nowhere to hide. You're not protecting yourself. Even if you kill another soldier, the soldier right next to you just died. So it's like, it's equal losses until it's two men on the field. Like Right. And a lot of it is, well, I'm not going to go too far into Napoleonic stuff unless we do something with that. But <laughs> yeah, if we do something, if we do the movie Napoleon... I can probably do more talking about that, but, <laughs> yeah. but frankly, muskets were the easiest pr produced thing at the time, notoriously inaccurate throughout their time. Yeah. But then there's also just, you have a huge line of soldiers, and so it's like, fire a few shots, and now just charge. Yeah. All right, so my least favorite character is also the Germans. Um, this is pretty common for me for any war films that take place in World War I or World War II. Um, the Germans in World War I were trash and the German, the Nazis in World War II were even worse trash. So fuck them. Yo. If you live in Germany, um, I have nothing against you now. Modern Germans, post World War II Germans, anyone not affiliated with the nazis great you guys are all awesome but fuck nazis and fuck the germans from world war one because that's kind of where nazis started and where it, the idea of dominating the world all came from so fuck that well i'm i will i will defend germans in world war ii on one thing not all of them were actually in the nazi party oh, no 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 that's why she specified right if you were a nazi in world war ii right and also even some of out. the and even some of the people who joined the nazi party didn't believe in the nazi regime's beliefs such as Werner von braun yeah nazi. but still you if you're there he needed the funding that's even worse yeah if you're you're well, isn't that like you're like, not, it, like in today's you're not world doing anything to actively stop it you're aiding it well, that's, that's what we're saying, Patrick. It doesn't matter. If it's wrong and you need the money, you shouldn't join it. Well, it, it, it literally doesn't matter. Principles override money at this point. And if your money overrides your principles, you need to check your fucking privilege. Well, it's not like Werner von Braun had much choices at the time either. No, but we're not talking about Werner von Braun or whatever the fuck his dick is. But yeah, okay. So <laughs> anyways... <laughs> on to a seven word synopsis otis okay uh i have two of them okay 
Um, my first one is why even save the fucking German guy? Uh, when that <laughs> plane went down and he was like, ah, I'm on fire. Just why don't we just walk away. Like, why, why are we saving him? And I know they have kind hearts and, you know, war, not everybody's battle hardened and stuff. A lot of these dudes that went in the war were just like, I just want to live, but I want to like help, but I don't want to kill anybody. Uh, there were tons of them. Uh, one of my favorite characters in Doctor Who, when he went to war, he was proud that he never like killed a guy. And he's just, you know, he's like, hey, I was there to help, but I, I don't want to kill anybody. So I get it, but then I don't because the dude got stabbed in the tummy right after. So I was yep. like, well, maybe you should have killed him. Um, and then uh, actually both of mine were just around that same area because <laughs> the rest of the movie, I was just like upset. No, I was happy, <laughs> but no, but that 10 minute area, I got mad and I came out of my like cone of like happiness to make these seven words. So my second one is I'm hit. What was it? Your stupidity. <laughs> that, that's what hit you. Like your stupidity. That's what hit you. Uh, oh my god when fucking Schofield is getting the water and Blake's like no 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 uh, <laughs> it's like alright <laughs> yeah we uh, got, got we got uh, it uh, Katie oh, oh okay okay my first one is very similar to that never save a German soldier in war because this literally bit them in the ass twice in this film like yep. why the fuck are you saving people who you, it's literally your job to kill like that's not that's not a thing you're trying to get from here to there they're going to stop you no matter what that's it's not a civilian yeah it's not a german civilian it's a german soldier who's actively trying to kill you he was just shooting to, trying to shoot down one of your planes like he has it out for you guys same with the other guy that Schofield tried to help in the city it was like okay i'm not going to kill you just don't shout just don't say anything and then Hey, he's over here. He's over here. Like, bitch, why the fuck did you save him? Put your hand oh. over his mouth and stop him from screaming and slit his throat and walk away. Like, be or done with it. his neck. Something. Just get right? the fuck out. Done with it. <laughs> Clearly, I'm very battle-hardened from movies. Oh, same. My second one is a quote from the movie. It's, uh, you'll be wanking again in no time. <laughs> wrong hand <laughs> I'm actually out my pants <laughs> yeah. he's his hand he's like you'll be fine just rinse it off you'll be fine just rinse it off you'll be winking again in no time wrong hand <laughs> the funniest fucking quote <laughs> I, I loved it though because there were like three moments of hilarity in this movie when I was like oh okay well now I don't feel like I'm going to hit a huge slump of depression after watching this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that could not have been better timed. Yeah, they sprinkled in the the hilarity just like, or the comedy right in the right places so you weren't just overwhelmed by sadness. Um, and then my last one is, and then he slept for 11 days. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of this film, he takes a nap under a tree and like if that was me and I just ran all the way across France in I'd 24 hours like I wouldn't wake up for a week just sleep through the rest of the war <laughs> so that's where mine came from beautiful all right Patrick 
All right. Uh, I came up with enemy retreat does not equal final defeat. Ooh. Very nice. And it rhymes. And then uh, sucks you in from the word go. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So I said the Baratheon Stark union we all needed. Nice. Because, well, yeah. And then I have have witnesses. Some just like the fight. And then a two-parter down to Gehenna or up the throne. He travels the fastest who travels alone, which is what Colin Firth told the two boys when they started this, when they turned around to him and said, is it just us? And he said that. And I went, Oh fuck. (laughs) Um, And then I have my two alliterative, two traips, treacherous terrain to tell truth. And then Schofield Skirts Scourge single-handedly saves several soldiers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So this film is amazing and you should definitely check it out. All right. What does everyone think the budget for this film was? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go 120. Uh, Emma? This came out in 2019, correct? Yep. Christmas of last year. I'm gonna go with 117.3. Patrick. I'm gonna go in with them on that. <laughs> You're gonna mimic mine? How about you guess your own? No. Rude. <laughs> this bitch. Sneaking in on my win. <laughs> all right. Well, if we're playing by prices right rules, you all lost. <laughs> Because you all went over. I'll just give it to person closest. Emma and Patrick win because they were closest, but they were still quite a ways off. So the budget was somewhere between 90 and 100 million. Somehow they don't Jesus. have accurate numbers, even though this movie came out last year. How the fuck do you not have accurate numbers? Like, didn't pay attention? Impossible. Wow. Um, <laughs> all right. What do you guys think it made in the box office? All the money. Uh, 300 million. Emma. 301 dollar dues. <laughs> Patrick. Uh, let's do 350. All right. And Patrick wins. Uh, this film rounded out at 384.9 million dollars. I was thinking for uh, I should have <laughs> Yeah, this movie made all the monies. Like holy crap, it made almost four times four times its budget. Um and yeah, like we said earlier in this podcast, it was hugely critically acclaimed. Everybody loved it. It won tons and tons of awards. It's a really fucking great film. Go check this movie out. All right. Does anybody have anything else to say about this amazing Um, film? I will add, not only do you need to watch the movie, but if it is a, if it is at all possible, watch how the movie was made. Watch all the behind the scenes. There is an entire segment on Thomas Newman and how he put the score together for this movie, which by the fucking way, the score to this movie is incredible. Mm -hmm. Absolute gold. Um, 
it carries all the tension in the movie in the music and it's oh yeah incredible. absolutely but watch all of it because there are details about how during weather slumps if it was sunny all they did was practice the run-throughs and you know how they walked him through needing to get down here but wait for this to go here and waiting for the flare and waiting for this and it's it adds so much more to what they did with the movie yeah if you watch behind the scenes it's phenomenal it'll blow your mind yeah um my, my, sorry go <laughs> patrick I was gonna say, in my opinion, the movie the movie needs more more artillery fire. <laughs> yeah, for a movie about war, there wasn't a lot of actual war happening. Like, the fuck. Yeah, at least during the during the trench battles, and especially like when they were starting that charge, I was surprised they didn't have any artillery fire. Yeah, yeah, they it was definitely um, minimal very minimal fighting actual fighting in this film it was like the one guy fighting the like three soldiers in that town that was all burnt up and yeah. then that's the little bit of the, of the trench stuff at the end but it's mostly a story that just takes place during war not necessarily about the actual war yeah. that's happening or you don't get to see a lot of the war yeah um like Emma said about the special features, I recommend that on all war films. If you fi find any, if you find yourself watching any war film, if you can find a behind the scenes, how it was made um, of that film, of that particular film, I highly recommend it. It's a little less common, actually really uncommon in films that were made prior to like the 70s, the yeah. 80s. Um, and that's that kind of footage and info is really hard to find sometimes for those older films, but any of the films made in the 90s and the 2000s, um, you're going to find some behind the scenes stuff talking about the production of the steps they made to, to make, you know, the blood look real and yeah. the fighting look real and the, the, all of the stuff look real. Um, and it's really, really cool. A lot of war films that I found have featurettes on them that are like an hour um yes. an hour of just straight info from start to finish how this film was made like oh we went and talked to the smithsonian and we got this gun and then we made 700 replicas of this gun yeah. and then we talked to this historical society and we got a one of their planes to use and we talked did this and we did that um it is some of the coolest shit to know about like stuff that happened in the past historical films or films based on historical events the behind the scenes shit is really really cool and it's really good in war films so check and, it out uh, a lot of them also it doesn't happen on all of them but a lot of them also have an additional featurette on the actual situation that it was based on and that's true like, like katie mentioned um you won't find very many behind the scenes situations of things pre-70s, pre-80s, um, but on some of them that have been remastered and reproduced and released on Blu-rays, they do have historical featurettes on them about what the movie was based on. Um, but it's, it kind of, 
it does what the movie intends it to do. The movies in situations like this are meant to draw attention to things that have happened in our past, things that are born from uncouth, unwelcomed situations that have been so awful for so much of the world and resulted in so much death. And it just, it helps bring attention to things that I think everybody needs to be aware of from where we've come and where things have been and why we need to change and why we have changed some things. Yeah. And then in including those featurettes, it brings attention to the truth of the actual situation, which is almost as powerful as some of the movies. Yeah. I actually really love that about um, the war films, the featurettes, because for me, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to study um any particular like one particular battle or whatever because that's just not something that i am interested in i'm interested in the the long story of the war like yeah not each individual battle or whatever but these films like any film you get drawn into the story that's happening and then at the end of it you're like oh now i want to know more and you know maybe you'll go to wikipedia maybe you'll go you know you'll google and do some searching but if yeah. you just look in your bonus features on that DVD, like it'll give you a full featurette that'll run down all of the stuff that happened that they took all the different pieces that they took from to build the war film that you watched. Yeah. So it's really fucking cool. Agreed. All right. So thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Uh, we really do hope that you go check out 1917. It is a fantastic film. There's tons of like random, super famous people in it that are only in it for like a minute, but you will catch glimpses of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Colin Firth and Mark Strong. And yeah, it's just a really solid film. So if you have any comments about 1917 please tweet us at allentown pod you can email us at allentown presents at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook at allentown presents yeah so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye see ya. <laughs> <laughs>